outside, a beggar blind from birth. I lived in total darkness, a man of little worth. But then I heard of Jesus, the Master passing by. The Savior had compassion, Messiah heard my Spare you from your plight. He 
never uh, met a person who, um, who followed the Lord, who followed Jesus for their life, and then said they regretted it. I've never met a person. But I've met many people who just followed their own way in life and had many regrets. Ended up with many regrets. And uh, that song was a, was a beautiful reminder there uh, what Jesus has done for us. And uh, you will not be sorry if you follow Jesus. You will not be sorry. And uh, you know how many times uh, we're going to face times because as Christians, uh, we're not promised that we're going to have trouble-free lives. And, you know, in fact, the Lord tells us you can count on having some problems. And you can count, you can count on having times. Well, let me, let me just ask you this. Uh, how many of you, as Christians, and just how many of you in general, have had, had times when you were discouraged? You've had times when you were discouraged. Okay. I told you, uh, Sister Sherry, is going to be 100%, right? <laughs> and uh, so... Um, you know, we, we all can use this topic this morning. We're talking this morning about overcoming discouragement. Overcoming discouragement. And uh, if, you, if you go in your Bibles to 1 Kings 19, you're going to get some answers uh, here today. And some of these things you, you may well already know, but uh, they can be good reminders certainly for you. And if you're not discouraged right now and you think, well, you know, I don't have any need for this message, you know there's going to be time, those times again. You take these truths, hide these truths in your heart. When those times come, they'll be very helpful uh, to you. One of the things I love about the Bible is that it doesn't just try to give, you know, uh, it try, try to paint a pretty picture of every person who follows God. It, it, it shows just real life people. It shows people that are made of the same stuff that we are, you know, whatever age they lived in. Similar struggles, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, they go through issues just like we did. And it just shows how, how they how they work through those things and how God um, uh, gives them what they need when they need it in order to, to work through those things. And, and you have this uh, uh, here in 1 Kings chapter 19. You probably have, when I think of Elijah, I think of him as being a powerful man. I think of him as being, you know, just a, 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 a powerful preacher. Uh, I think he was, he was a strong, self-sufficient man as, as in human terms. And uh, he's not one that, that overall, I would think, is, is a person who would be prone to discouragement. If you look at his life and his ministry. In fact, right before this chapter, I mean, this is one of the, is one of the great examples of a man who stood in the face of wickedness. Called them out. Called upon God to show them who really was God. People who are, you know, uh, uh, touting the false god Baal and... and uh, just doing evil things uh, uh, to, the, to the degree where they were, they were cutting themselves, dancing around, cutting themselves, uh, calling upon Baal to do something. And, uh, you know, Elijah called him out and said, hey, I'll talk to him right now. I'll say, where is, where is this Baal? Is he taking a nap? Is he taking a nap? I mean, is he out, is he out to lunch? Uh, what's going on with Baal? Sh you know, show me who Baal is. This God that you think is so great and worthy uh, of leading others to worship. This cause that you say would be great for everybody to be a part of. Where is he? What, what is he going to do for you today? And uh, then, of course, you maybe have heard the story. Uh, where they had the, the altar uh, there that was uh, normally used for profane things. And uh, they put a big old pile of wood on there and soaked that wood. And you know, 
Uh, you know, being from Maine, I mean, you gotta have your wood dried out well, right? You gotta have your firewood nice and dry uh, and ready for the season, so you wouldn't light that thing up. You know, you don't have to struggle and spend an hour lighting the, the fire every day. You want nice dry wood that's gonna burn well, put out some heat. Well, they had some, some soaking wet uh, uh, wood there, and, uh, and, and, and you know, you know the, the story is Elijah called upon God. God sent fire down from heaven and consumed that, uh, that wood and that altar and the whole thing. It was proved that day. It was proved that day without a shadow of doubt before anybody. That a, anybody that, uh, that, that someone, someone says uh, something's God other than God, it's a false God. And B, that the God of Israel was the one true God. Now, you look at that, and Elijah was pretty much, I mean, it was him against a hundred that day. You know, it was, it was him against hundreds that day. And uh, you, you would say, that, that man there, I mean, if he went through that and he trusted God to call down that fire from heaven upon that altar that day, I mean, there would be nothing to discourage that guy. And if he were to be prone to discouragement, I mean, he, he would be able to overcome that pretty quickly. He would be able to overcome that pretty quickly through the truth that he had there at the altar of Baal. This is the guy that we're talking about. We're talking about Elijah in the same chapter here. But today, remarkably, we're going to use Elijah as an example of discouragement. <laughs> an example of discouragement. The same man. The same man. And so, right off, you can be encouraged by this. That if Elijah went through discouragement being the great godly man that he was, that when you go through discouragement, you don't need to be discouraged about being discouraged. Does that make sense? All right? Because this is what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to go after people that are actually doing something for God. Okay? If somebody, you say, you know, that person doesn't seem to even care about God at all. They don't even think about God. And look, they're just living a cheerio life. Well, probably because the devil is just leaving them alone because he's not threatened by them at all. And, and so if you feel like the devil is coming after you with discouragement, then it's probably because he sees you as, as, as somebody that he has to be concerned about. He sees you as somebody who is doing something for God. He sees you as somebody who has a, a cause for the Lord. And because of that, he's going to pull out his favorite tool. And just about, I think, his favorite tool to use on Christians is discouragement. Discouragement. Now, we're going to see the, the, the pattern here. And this is the pattern that seems to come about just about every time. As it usually goes, something like this. You have discouragement. And if that isn't dealt with, it leads to depression. And if that isn't de dealt with, then it leads to defeat. And if that isn't dealt with, it can lead to total annihilation or destruction. And uh, you say, well, that seems pretty extreme. Well, I've heard of many, many cases where the devil got somebody to that point of defeat, where their lives were destroyed, and maybe their lives were even taken. Maybe their lives were even taken. And so we're going to look at uh, um, Elijah here today. And we'll pick it up here at the, at the beginning of the chapter. And uh, in, in chapter 19, 
It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. <laughs> Ahab, he's, he's quite a man's man, isn't he? Anytime he wanted anything to dealt with, you know what he did? He, he went and told his wife. You know, like he was having a hard time with Naboth there. Uh, he wanted the, the vineyard, right? And uh, Naboth wouldn't give him the vineyard. What did he do? He went and told his wife. And his wife, you know, his wife had to deal with it. Uh, and, he, and here, you know, he's having a hard time with Elijah. And, uh, you know, Elijah is, is exposing him. And Elijah's getting the upper hand. So what does he do? He goes and tells Jezebel uh, about it. And, uh, and, and, and Jezebel, I mean, I guess in a way, she was a woman not to be trifled with, right? Uh, she, 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 uh, she, she was, you heard, you heard of some bad hombres? <laughs> All right. She, she was one bad woman. Okay. And uh, it says, uh, so Jezebel found out what Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And so these prophets of Baal, they had been wiped out. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. You see the message here? I'm still touting these gods, these false gods. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And so may the gods dispose of me if I don't get you by tomorrow this same time, uh, Elijah. Now we're going to talk, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, some ways to overcome discouragement. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Don't give place to the voice of the enemy. That is a key truth right there. Let's pray that the Lord helps us with it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us right now because there's people here today that are discouraged. There are people that are going to be attacked with this tomorrow and the next day, and the next week, and the next month, and the next year. Lord, we pray that these truths today would help us to be more than conquerors when it comes to battling discouragement. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the message comes from Jezebel here. And, you know, Jezebel, I mean, it would seem like if she was really going to do this, she'd just go do it. Right? Just go, just go and, and if she's going to dispose of, of, of Elijah, the prophet of God, just go do it. But I'm pretty sure Jezebel, in her heart of hearts, she knew that it probably wasn't a good idea to mess with Elijah. I mean, hundreds of men had just done that and lost. And she knew that he, you know, she might have been counting on her little gods and still proclaiming publicly that, that the little gods were where, where it was at. But uh, she, she knew that he served the God of Israel, and she had heard and she had seen what that God could do. She had seen Elijah pray to the God of Israel and the dew and the rain be dried up for long periods of time. And so, you know what, what, what Jezebel is really doing here is what's called in the common vernacular is she's trash talking. She's using intimidation tactics. She's trying to strike fear into the heart of the Christian, of Elijah. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy likes to put out information. The enemy likes to have a voice in your mind. The enemy loves to have a place. The Bible says, neither give place unto the devil. 
And the devil wants to send voices to you. To get into your mind. And get into your heart. And to throw you off pace. To discourage you. To defeat you. And that's exactly what's going to start going on here with Elijah. It says, And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah. And in verse 3, it says, And when he sought that, he arose. And what does it say? He went for his life. <laughs> he ran for his life. Now, does this make sense? It makes no sense. He stood in the face of hundreds right before this and seemed to have no fear whatsoever, no regard whatsoever for his life as he trusted God. But then comes a discouragement coupled with the fear. And the fear will always short-circuit our faith. It will always short-circuit our faith. Fear is a big enemy. The Bible says that the spirit of fear does not come from God. Have you ever heard of somebody that's been, that's been you know, they've been frozen or paralyzed by fear? That's what fear does. Fear paralyzes us in our Christian life. It keeps us from moving forward. If we make decisions based upon fear, we're going to make all the wrong decisions. But that's what the messenger tries to do. And believe me, believe me, the enemy has a lot of messengers today. You know what we need to do with the messengers of the enemy? We need to turn them off. <laughs> the message that comes from Jezebel here is not going to be helpful. She has no good regard for Elijah. She has nothing good to offer him. She has nothing to encourage him to do what's right and to keep serving God. All she's going to do is try to get into his mind and his heart with things that are going to discourage him. Now look, you need to be discerning. I need to be discerning. And if we discern that there's messengers that are trying to get into our life that have nothing good to offer us, we need to say, no, that, that has no place in my heart my mind. I'm not going to give them audience. I'm not going to listen to the voice of the enemy. Because it's doing me absolutely no good. And if a voice is cons consistently discouraging you and bringing darkness into your life and bringing fear into your life, shut it off! Get your eyes back on the truth. Get your eyes back on God who's giving you a cause that is not altered no matter what's going on. Now we have to be aware. Uh, we have to walk circumspectly. We have to know what, what's going on around us. We have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. But we need to learn to get our information from the right places. We need to get our information from the places that are going to give us truth and are going to give us light. Not messengers that are just trying to discourage us and to strike fear into our hearts. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of fear in our nation right now. There's a lot of fear. And the Christian cannot be caught up in a life of fear. Because what kind of a life is that? What kind of a life is a life of perpetual fear? God says he will never leave us and forsake us. God says he will direct all of our paths. God says that he is, is effective for everything that we need. And his grace is sufficient. And so we can trust him in the myriad of promises that he has in his word that are not conditioned upon that which is going on at the moment in our world. We can trust him with those things. And we can carry on with the basics of what he's called us to. The basis of what Elijah had been called to was to stand out for God, to proclaim the truth, 
to continue get, having a voice for truth amidst the wickedness, to do that and, and, and to not be afraid in light of those that would stand against that. And so, number one, look, if you listen to the voice of the enemy, you will be discouraged. You will be discouraged. And you'll start focusing on all the wrong things because that is one of his uh, major tactics. The enemy wants to intimidate. The enemy is a trash talker. He wants to discourage, depress, despair, defeat, and destroy. Secondly, secondly, don't leave those who care about you. And so we kind of coupled the, two, the first two points together. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. And then don't leave those who care about you. Let's continue reading here. And I'll pick it up in uh, verse 3. It says there, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He's running for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. So Elijah uh, went 80 miles from where he started out, uh, according to, to what I studied here. And uh, when he got to a certain point in Beersheba, he'd already, he was already running for his life. What did he do? He left his servant there. Now, I would, I would say probably if Elijah had a servant, somebody that he allowed to be close to him, it would be somebody who was for him, right? It would be somebody who had his back, somebody who had his best interests in mind. And uh, so that was probably a good person to keep around, right? Look, when you're discouraged, you don't want to push away from the people that are for you. You want to get the wrong voices out, and you want to keep the right voices in your life. But what does he do? He leaves his servant behind, and he himself, in verse 4, went a day's journey into the wilderness. So what he, he isolated himself even more. Now, a lot of times, that's a really bad decision if you're feeling discouraged. If you're feeling discouraged, you listen to the wrong voices, and you're getting fearful in your life, to isolate yourself even more is probably not going to help. Now, sometimes I do understand that God calls us to just go somewhere where it's quiet and peaceful and just get his heart and his mind. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, like, you know, if, 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 if you have a habit when you're struggling a bit with your thoughts, you're struggling with discouragement, when you go to a private place and you get along with God and you cry out to him and you look for truth, that, that, that's good. That can be a good thing. And it's not you're shutting the others out, but you just want to hear his voice primarily. But generally speaking, to isolate yourself and brood in those things, to brood in discouragement, to brood in wrong thinking, to brood in fear and isolation, that's not going to head anywhere good. That's just going to take you further into despondency and into darkness. And that seemed to be what was happening with Elijah here. And, uh, and so um, it compounds the problem. And, uh, you know, when you're not in the right frame of mind, you're bad company. Okay? You're bad company to yourself, and you could be bad company to others as well. And so, when you're not in the right frame of mind, you need to, you need to be around the people that are for you and that you know are going to help you with truth. They're going to help you with truth. And so, we're trying to deal with the discouragement here. And the fourth, uh, the fourth thing is uh, we don't want to give, uh, listen to the wrong messages. We don't want to live in fear. Um, we don't want to uh, 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 leave uh, those who care about us. And then fourthly, we don't want to languish in despondency. We don't want to languish in despondency. Look at verse 4. It says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Look at this. 
and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself, now look how far he spiraled down a short period of time here, the great victorious prophet at Mount Carmel who defeated hundreds in the name of the Lord and called down fire from heaven. What's he doing now? He goes, he sits down under a miserable little tree and requests for himself that he might, what? That he might die. That he might die. You see how quickly, you know, discouragement can take us down the wrong path? And we get, you know, I, I'm just worthless. Uh, can't do anything right. Uh, you know, I might as well not even be alive. Life's not even worth living anymore. And that's the enemy. That's the destroyer, this speaking. Because if God hasn't taken you out of this world yet, he still has some purposes for you. You know? And it's, uh, you're, appointed to, you know, you're appointed to die, but the, but the Lord knows when that is. And the Lord has some purpose for you in the meantime. And when you do, the death of the saint is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. It's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be a beautiful thing, not a dark thing. And so he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father. And it's just a, like a little, it's a little what was me thing going on here, and uh, and he's he's not feeling uh, he's not feeling it he's he's not he's not encouraged he's down and he's just feeding it even more with his own thoughts and his own message, and I will say one thing at least he's talking to the Lord about it right, uh, but but he's not having the right thought patterns at this point, and so fifth, we'll end to this point and this is this is this is where it all comes together, you know the, these don'ts lead to this do. Let the Lord restore you. Let the Lord restore you. And he will do that. He will do that. And it says in verse 5, And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. You know a beautiful gift that God has given you? It's called rest. <laughs> and many times when you're discouraged, you just need to get some rest. You ever heard of just having a new outlook the next day? All right? Um, just getting a fresh look, outlook on life because because you because you rest, sleep on it. Hey, look before you make drastic decisions because you're discouraged, just sleep on it. I remember the the first time that I pastored, and a lot of times it was kind of inexplicable. You know, I'd, I would spend the day trying to to, to preach and, and and help with God's word, and then the next day I just kind of felt like, oh man, I just felt down, discouraged. I couldn't always put my finger on it, but I just. It was just this feeling, you know, and it, just, it was kind of taking a grip on my heart. And there was times where I just felt like, you know, I just, I just don't really think this is for me. I don't, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. I, I, I just don't think I want to do this anymore. But it was a really bad time to make a decision right then. Right, Brother Peter? <laughs> it was a good time right then just to say, okay, Lord, you know, I just need to rest here a little bit. And uh, just renew my mind and refresh things. And, and, and so he did sleep, and, and, and I think that was a good thing for, for Elijah right then. Hey, look, he's talking about I'm discouraged. I, 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 this isn't worth anymore. I can't do this anymore. Take my life, Lord. I don't even want to. But he rested. But he rested. And that's one way that the Lord can, can restore you, just through physical rest. It can be, bring spiritual uh, rest as well. And, uh, you know, there's nothing spiritual about, about not getting enough rest. And, uh, you know, we don't want to be a sluggard who just sleeps all the time, but there's a balance there um, uh, for us. So he slept under the juniper tree. And behold, then an angel touched him. And so, you know, 
God will minister to us. And angels are real things. They're not to be worshipped, but they're, they're to be appreciated. God uses uh, uh, um, them to, 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 to minister to us and, and to bring us uh, protection. And, and so an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Arise and eat. So just revitalizing and replenishing. Just getting those physical components taken care of. Get some rest. Get some good nutrition into your system. When you're discouraged, just take care of some of those basic things that God's already provided for you in your life. And, and, and those can be helpful. And I don't mean, you know, binge on chocolate cake, you know, it's comfort food. Uh, and there's a balance to everything in life, right? And, uh, and sometimes we're go, we, we, we feel good if we, you know, go on eBay and buy hundreds of dollars worth of stuff, you know, and just wait for those dopamine hits when it all comes in the mail. Or, uh, you know, to just get our, get, our, get our favorite dessert and just eat, you know, cartons of ice cream. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting rest and we're getting, getting some nutrients and just getting re revitalized. And it says in verse uh, 6, And he looked, and behold, now there was a cake bacon here. So cake is okay, all right? Uh, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And so he ate, he got some, something to drink, all right? How many of you like cupcakes? I don't know if it was cupcakes or not uh, there, uh, but uh, he got something and then he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is uh, too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights into Horeb, uh, the mountain of God. And so uh, revitalize and then thirdly, respond. Respond. Because God is going to just give you some, some basic help there. He's going to give you some basic help and then he's going to bring you some truth and you need to respond to that truth. This is what happens. If we go one step forward and we don't continue to step forward, we're going to take inevitably those two steps back. And the next time that we're discouraged is going to be worse than the first time. And if we don't get victory through what God gives us during times of discouragement, we're going to get into patterns in our life. And look, it's a, it's a, it's a sad thing when you have somebody who's been... been uh, a Christian for year after year after year after year and they're still wallowing in the same patterns of discouragement. That should not be, Christian. That should not be. God wants you to respond to some truth that helps you get victory over that thing. Now, if you're discouraged, we all get those times. But when we're discouraged, we need to respond to what God gives us to help with that. And not say, well, that's just the way I am, and this is just the, the pattern of my life, and this is so, it's always going to be this way. In fact, we never see Elijah, you know, going back to this again. I mean, it seemed like he went back to victory, and, and God, you know, ultimately, what did he end up doing? He ended up going, you know, in a chariot of fire. Uh, went out in a glorious way. But respond. And so, let's just wind it up here. Uh, we're in verse 9. It says, He came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Isn't God faithful with his word? Now the thing of it is, you've got to be, you've got to be looking for it, alright? Hey, look, God isn't going to write it in a banner behind an airplane. Okay? God isn't going to give you some little, you know, shape of a cloud to lead you. Alright? God isn't going to, uh, you know, be spooky and hocus pocus. God is going to lead you through his word. You've got you to you listen for it. You've got to look for it. You've got to be 
alert to it. God will give some basic things to minister to you, help you during that time. His grace is sufficient. But when he gives you his word, you've got you, you to respond to that. And you've got to value that. And, uh, and so he did. He came with his word. He was faithful to do that. And uh, so the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, and so often God does this through his word, he'll, he'll ask us a question. What doest thou here, Elijah? <laughs> and that's such a great question. I mean, it's so basic, but it's, it's great. Hey, hey, Elijah, what, what are you doing? What are you doing, Elijah? Hey, hey Mark, <laughs> what are you doing, man? You know, put your name there. What are you doing? Christian! You're supposed to be victorious. What are you doing? Why are you wallowing in this discouragement? Why are you, why are you harboring a bad spirit? Why are you saying that, you know, you might as well die? Why are you going down that road and listening to the wrong voices? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, Elijah? What are you doing here? What's your purpose right now? And Elijah's still, you know, he's still in that frame of mind. And he said, uh, he's been with it quite a while now, many, uh, 40 days. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of, of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And so what he's saying there is, is God, you know, I'm, I'm trying to serve you well. I've tried to live my life for you, God. I've been jealous for your name. I've defended you. I've stood up for you. And now look what's happened. A woman's trying to kill me. They seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, what? A still, small voice. And sometimes we're looking for the sensational solution. For the big, miraculous thing to take place when God says, really, you know what I want from you? What I want from you is just for you to just listen to my voice. Let my voice be in relationship with me again. Hey, look, I know there's a lot of big things going on around you that sometimes you wonder, you know, what you can do about and how, how are these things ever going to come, you know, what the solutions are. But ultimately, you know what I want you to do? Just walk with me. Listen to my voice. I'll get you through this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling down. God's voice wants to come back into your heart. That's still a small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And all of a sudden it struck him, oh man. He was humble before the voice of the Lord. He thought, you know, oh man, I can't believe that I've been doing this. I can't believe I've been going down this road. I should know better. I should know better. And a humility is coming here. And he went out and stood in the entry in the cave. And behold, there came a voice from him saying, what doest thou here, Elijah? So again, you know, God's asking him. He's in a better place. So he said, hey, Elijah, are you getting back to where you need to be now? Are you getting back to what your purpose is? 
And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God host because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, uh, anoint uh, Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshai shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of uh, uh, Shaphat of Abelemaholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And so what God is saying to him, look, Elijah, I know you've been discouraged, and I know you've been down, I know you've been struggling, but I have some things for you to do still. And so he's helping him refocus here. And one of the best ways that we can refocus is get back to ministering to others. Get back to ministering to others. And that's what he did. It says uh, um, in conclusion. Uh, and by the way, Elijah had, had he wasn't thinking uh, truthfully. Because it says here in verse 18, Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal. Look, look. Elijah, you feel like you're by yourself and uh, you feel like you're the only one that's standing for what's right and you feel like you're alone with the truth. Now, let me tell you, there's lots of other ones as well. And I've actually been encouraged about that through these days. I mean, for as much as darkness seems, seems to be swirling around, I have found many, many people who still want to stand for what's right and, and shed the light. Be encouraged by that. America still has a strong presence of God-fearing people in it. And uh, stick with that. And, and stick with, uh, with those that are doing that. And so he goes down and he finds Elisha and, he, and, he, and he, he passes the mantle on to Elisha and he ministers to Elisha. And then at the, uh, at the end of the, the, uh, uh, the chapter, it says um, that Elisha, the last words in verse 21, ministered unto him as well. So just let me say this. Um, God will use you in the lives of others and he'll use others in your life. And that's part of the Christian walk. Is, look, when you're discouraged, sometimes what you need to do is, you need to let God restore you, and then you need to get back to ministering to others. Because a key to not wallowing in, in, in discouragement is getting your eyes off the self uh, to, 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 to serve others. And uh, so, you're going to have time to discouragement, aren't you? And there's no question that there's some that are discouraged here today. What I encourage you to do is just go back and read over this passage again. Because there's a, there's a man who dealt with discouragement like we do. And there's truth there that can help each one of us uh, along the way. Let's pray.